Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Wow, thank you very much. I want you to stay standing for a moment because you just said some very nice things about me, Christian. That's, I appreciate that. We, we've been friends for a long time and even back um, when we were teenagers, um, Melissa and I used to go to the same church. And uh, so we really love these guys and uh, love your friendship and all that. But we've been cheering you on from afar. And Darwin is afar. It's afar from everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. Darwin's a long way away. And uh, But we just think that what you guys to get the call of God to come to Noosa and just to start a church from, from nothing is just incredible. And so we're your biggest fans and we salute you. Can you put your hands together for Christian and Melissa, for your pastors here this morning? It's... Uh, it's it's a lot harder than it looks to do something like that. And I actually don't think I could do it. That's why we, we felt called to go to a church that already had people. <laughs> so uh, it's, that's true. So uh, it's incredible. So thanks, guys. You can all be seated and uh, put your hands together for the band as well. Amazing. Yes, yeah, so we've been in Darwin for coming up eight years. Um, before that, we were in Sydney for a while. I grew up in Ballina, just down the road, a few hours away, and still got a lot of family down there. And um, I saw some people who've spent some time in Ballina as well, Darren and Annette. Recognise those faces. It's amazing. So, uh, but hey, we're, we're Territorians now. We've had a couple of kids born up there. And uh, so that's, that's the way it is. So come and visit us in the Territory sometime. It's, uh, it's incredible. I'd never been to Darwin until we became the pastors of the church up there. I it was one of those places that I didn't really, I knew that there was a town there and I, get, I suppose people lived there, but I just had no concept of what it was. Just, you know, a couple of pubs in the main street and a few crocodiles running around. And, but it's an incredible city and uh, beautiful people, people from all the nations of the earth. And um, because one of the things that we found is that Australians don't want to work there because it's too hot. But anyone who's up for an opportunity and wants to have a go and doesn't mind, you know, like especially immigrants from overseas, they, there's just so many opportunities. And so the type of people that come um, to a place like that from all over the world and just people wanting to make a future for, for their families and for their children. And we're, we're just so excited to be um, leading a church full of those sort of people. And um, it's, yeah, it's the... It's amazing. It was completely different to what we expected when we moved to Darwin. So uh, it's a great place. But I tell you what, Sunshine Coast, you guys know what you're doing, choosing to live here. There's, you're, uh, you're the smart ones in Australia. So well played, all of you, Sunshine Coasters. Who grew up on the Sunshine Coast? Give us a wave. Yeah, okay. So that's like three people out of the whole congregation. Everybody else was clever enough to relocate. So... That just supported my theory right then. I'm, I'm so thankful for my parents who, uh, when I grew up in Ballina, they took us along to church every Sunday. And I literally could count, I reckon, on both my hands, the number of Sundays in my whole life that I haven't been in church. It was just what we did. And we were Anglican when I was, when I was born. And so we just went along to the church every Sunday. I went to Sunday school. And then... Uh, when I was about 12, they moved to the Uniting Church, so did a few years in the Uniting Church, and then the Baptist Church when I was about 16, and then when I turned 21, I bought a one-way ticket to London, and just to get out of Ballina and see the world, and I ended up 
And so the first thing I did when I moved overseas was first Sunday came around, I just went to church and, and found a church and found C3 Church in London. And that's how I kind of got into the C3 family. And, and then funnily enough, a couple of years after that, I moved back to Sydney to do study at the C3 College. But while I was there, then a C3 Church started in Ballina and my whole family uh, went, and went to C3. So it's kind of funny how we've all ended up uh, in the same church family now. But one of the things I wanted to let you know about when I was overseas, I spent two years over in Europe when I was 21 and I had an encounter with God in a church in Ireland that totally just, when I say transform, it didn't really because I was kind of, it just, it took, a, it was a whole new level of connection and experience with God but it was a significant moment, I guess that's the, the way you would say it, it was a significant moment in my life and I just wanted to share a little bit about that moment and some of the things that have come out of that moment that um, have led me here to be standing before you here this morning. And so I was in London and my mum's side of the family had originally come from Ireland. I thought, I should, seeing I'm so close, I'll just shoot over and um, see Ireland and find out where they came from. I went over to Ireland for a three-day round trip on the ferry. And so I went over there and it happened to be over a weekend. And so I, on a Sunday morning, decided to go to, to a church and I found a church and turned up it was a Pentecostal church that was a church plant it was a bunch of people who actually come from America who had a had a heart for a city called Galway and so I was in Galway and I went to this church and it was very similar to this like very similar it wasn't a school hall but it was a rented facility that they just uh, had just taken a lease on and a similar um, amount of people sitting in the congregation and I walked in to this to this church and I think it was because I was Australian, maybe, and had, and had the accent, that everyone just like, as soon as I walked in at the front door, they, they heard my accent, oh, where are you from, Australia, oh, here, come inside, and they just started introducing me to everybody, it was like I was a rock star, <laughs> and by the end of it, everyone wanted to talk to me, everyone wanted to have a cup of tea with me, everyone wanted to take me out for lunch, and I, I'd never experienced anything like it, and so... I went out to lunch and then the pastor of the church, he was there as well and he's like, you know what, tomorrow's a public holiday, I've got a lot of the young guys from church um, coming in to do a working bee because we've just taken the lease on this building but it needs to be renovated, needs to be cleaned up so we can um, have, make kids church spaces and, and just set, present it well for church. He said, would you, how would you feel about coming and joining the young guys, um, all the university students, on the working bee? And... I was like, well, you know what, I'm here for another day, I didn't have any plans, so sounds great. You guys have been really friendly. And he said, we'll put you up with a family from the church and we'll, uh, we'll feed you for the whole day. I'm like, sweet, awesome. So, because I was sleeping in a tent at the, at the caravan park and so, because uh, I was just kind of backpacking around. And so I went with an Irish family into their home, ate my bowl of potatoes for dinner, which is what they all do. And the next day we worked all day at the church. Anyway, it was university holidays as well as a public holiday. So the pastor at the end of the day came in and said, all right, who, who can stay for the whole week? And all the other guys were like, yeah, yeah, we can stay the whole week. And he looked at me and I'm like, well, my ticket back to England is tomorrow. I'm like, but I don't actually have to go. And yeah, what the heck, I'll stay. So I stayed the whole week with this Irish family working in the church as a volunteer every day and just working for my food and accommodation. 
Anyway, four months later. Four months later. I'm still there in Galway, still working on the church, totally unskilled labourer, doing the dodgiest work you would ever see. <laughs> Plastering and all this sort of stuff I'd never done before, but I'll have a go. And, but I, and with these other university students, because they ended up having a month off or something, and then I stayed with a couple of tradies and was their, their labourer. But four months I spent preparing this leased building for church. One day... I was in there, and I don't know, can't remember how far into the four months it was, but I can tell you exactly the moment. I could, we could go to Galway right now, I could find that building, and I'll take you to the place in this building where I had an encounter with God. And I was having a break, and I decided to get the Bible out and just read it, because after all, I'm in a church, what do you do while you're on a break? Well, I'll, I'll read the Bible. And I read this psalm, and I read Psalm 84, and I'd spent all morning cleaning up after all the tradies to get the toilets ready for, because who knows what tradies can be like with toilets, getting the toilets ready and presentable for church that coming Sunday. And I'd spent all morning just cleaning these toilets and all that sort of stuff. And I read this psalm. And I want to read it out to you now. It's Psalm 84. And it says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns even faints. Well, that takes me back even just reading it now. For the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before you in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And that's the psalm I read. And as I read that, it was like God turned up in that place that I was sitting. And I wept, and I wept, and I wept, and I just deep on the inside had this thing where God just opened up my heart. And I felt as though I was there when whoever wrote this had such a revelation that they were sitting in the temple of God, and they were seeing a bird flying around up in the top saying, man, even the bird, even the sparrow finds a home in there. It's like this person is jealous of this bird that's been able to make a nest in the temple. It's like how desperate for God and His presence and how reliant upon God and His presence that you just don't want to leave the temple. 
that you'd just rather be there. And he says, I could live in the mansions of Noosa, but I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. The doorkeeper doesn't even get to come inside. The doorkeeper's outside, just opening the door for everybody else to come in. And it's not, not that there's anything wrong with the mansions of Noosa, they're awesome. I want one. But you can have both. But when push comes to shove, what would you rather? I would rather be in the house of God. Just, just get me to church. Just get me in God's presence. That's where I'd rather be. And so God put this thing in me and I, just, and I made a commitment there and then that I was going to be a church cleaner for the rest of my life. Because I'd spent the morning cleaning the toilets at church. And I said, this will do me for the rest of my life. I had no ambitions for ministry. I was way too shy to ever stand up the front with a microphone. All I wanted to do, I was just like, just let me... I know it kind of sounds silly, but just, just get me in church. I just want to be in church for the rest of my life. I just want to be there. And so what actually happened, I didn't know it at the time, but I got a revelation of the house of God. A revelation of God's house. And that's my first point. I've got three points here this morning. My first point, and if you write them down, they kind of all come together at the end. So um, if you do write something down, write down the points. The first one is revelation of the house of... You can write down anything you like, but especially write down the points. The revelation of the house of God. And, he said, and this, the person who writes this psalm, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I don't know if your heart and flesh cry out for God. And do you know what? If they don't, it's cool. It's fine. Most people, most people don't. But I want to tell you something. Once you've experienced the presence of God, then your heart and your flesh cry out for it. Because there is nothing like the presence of God. There is nothing like an encounter with God. And once you've had it, you can't go back. You know, the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And there is a revelation that we can get of God's house that is just like, man, I'm just going to church. I spoke to my wife this morning. The plan was that she's down there with the kids. That that we've, we've been running pretty hard with church. We do multiple services every weekend. I said to her yesterday, just take the day off, enjoy, just go to the beach with the kids or something like that. Called her up this morning. So what are you doing? Oh, well, we're going to church. I, 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 we just can't help ourselves. We love it. And take the kids along with their cousins to go to church. And it's like, man, it's like, good, like, awesome, do it. I, I, I can't not be in church. I just love God's house. When you've had that revelation, of, it's God's dwelling place. See, back in the old days, Jacob, way back in the Old Testament, had this dream and he had this revelation of the house of God and it was just a rock in the middle of the desert. He said, but this is the house of God. Why? Because this is a place I had an encounter with God. And then it went from, so he built an altar. And that's what they used to do. They'd have an encounter with God, they'd build an altar. But then God said to Moses, hey, I actually want to not just come every now and then and meet with people. I actually want to travel with my people. I want to go everywhere that, that you guys go. And so God said to Moses, build a tabernacle. 
And so that was the place where God dwelt. And that became known as the house of God. So the altar, a pile of stones, used to be called the house of God. And then the tabernacle, which was a tent. God's a camper. God likes camping. He's like, I just want to, I just want to camp. And so in a tent, so anyone that doesn't like, all these glampers, sorry, God's a camper. Get, get the canvas tent out. Go for it. Get out there. And so the tabernacle, God, God's, that's the house of God. And then Solomon, you know, David actually wakes up one day and he's living in this mansion as the king in the palace. And he says, God's camping out in the tent and I've got the mansion. Let's build God a, a temple. Interesting thing was that God never asked for the temple. God was happy camping. That's a different story. And so they built this, Solomon built this incredible, incredible temple for the presence of God. He got known as the house of God. See, but Jesus comes along and, and he starts talking about the, the temple. And he's like, destroy the temple and in three days I'll, I'll rebuild it. And we know that in AD 70, 40 years after Jesus, the Romans came through and just destroyed the, the temple. And, but Jesus was talking about another transition. See, there was a transition from a pile of stones to a tent, a transition from a tent to a temple. But then the final and the most glorious transition was the transition from that temple to actually Jesus himself, saying, I'm the temple. Jesus is the temple. And Jesus is the house of God. And he says, now my people, whenever they gather together, they are my temple. And so right now, this is the house of God. Anywhere that the people of God gather together. You could be underground in a hidden room in China, gathered together because you're afraid of the government for good reason. You're the house of God. You could be in a modern auditorium with all the lights and the smoke machines and it's all awesome. Guess what? If you gathered there in the name of Jesus, it's the house of God. And it doesn't matter where it is or what it is, right now, right here, we are the house of God. And to crave and to have that expectation of every Sunday when I come together, we are going to the house of God and my heart and my flesh are crying out just to meet with God this weekend. So the house of God is wherever His people are meeting. That's my first point. The second point is this, the uh, sorry, so the first point is the house, of, the house of God, revelation of the house of God. Second point is this, sustains us through the hard times. So it's not just the fact that you get the revelation of the house of God, it actually is what will sustain you during the hard times. Anyone ever had hard times? Do you know what breaks my heart? As I see people who are on fire for God and hard times hit and for some reason they just don't make it through. They don't, the fire comes but for whatever reason they, they don't make it through or they get knocked back or knocked down and just... But a revelation of the house of God is actually what will sustain you through the hard times. Because in the hard times, you can't do it yourself. In the hard times, you need to push in to the community of the people that God has placed you in. Often in the hard times, we want to withdraw. Maybe we feel embarrassed or ashamed or humiliated or too vulnerable and we've been hurt or taken advantage of, and these things are all real, but I'm telling you, without the community of the people of God, we cannot make it through those tough times. And so, when we have the revelation of the house of God, that's actually what's going to help us through the tough times. It's not good enough just to say, well, I'll just get through this on my own. 
and I'll read my Bible at home and I'll pray at home and all that. It's, it's the people that are actually going to bring us all together. And that's what he says here, blessed are those whose strength, and strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, on going the distance, on doing the journey, on, on walking this whole thing out. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which means, literally means weeping. As they pass through a valley, you know, the, like the valley of the shadow of death of Psalm 23, where we're broken, where we're weeping, where things haven't turned out the way that we thought they would. It says that they make it a place of springs. Now, a spring is a, is a source of life. You can build a city around a spring. You, you turn your pain into a source of life. And they go from strength to strength till each appears before God. So you go from strength to strength when you've got people around you, with the people of God. You go from strength to strength if you make a commitment to stay in the house of God, no matter what happens, no matter what comes against you. You actually get to rewrite the history of your pain. It says they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs. They say, okay, this was tears, but I'm no longer going to call it tears. I'm going to call it a spring of life, a life-giving spring of water. So the pain that you went through, you can look back and say, that was the worst part of my life. Or you can say, the pain that I went through, that is the secret to my new source of life. That is actually what has made me that is what has brought me closer to God. That is what's planted me in the house of God. Have you ever rewritten your own history? I'll tell you a quick one where I did it. It makes me look really bad and it probably is. But we had, my dad's in a wheelchair. And when I was, I was born, he was in a wheelchair. And I never got to do things with, with my dad that all my mates got to do with their dad. And so I didn't realise the impact that that actually had on me because it, it was just normal but there was actually something deep going on that I was felt I was missing out and so because uh, we could never kick a football we never play sport never go camping never go fishing never all of those sorts of things all my mates were doing with their dads and so I used to say things like well when I have a son I'm going to take him fishing when I have a boy we're going to go camping when I have a boy we're going to go and kick the football at the oval just little things like that I used to say that to myself it was, I guess it was my way of coping with the disappointment that, that I had. Anyway, so my wife and I get married and we have a daughter, beautiful girl. We have a second child, another girl. We get pregnant again with our third. And, and everyone's like, oh, it'll be another girl, another boy. You know, it's, this stuff doesn't matter, right? You're just glad to have a child. Anyway, and so we go in for the scan to find out what it is. And we're going in. She's like, you all right if it's another girl? I'm like, yeah, totally. You're like, of course I am. But I didn't know how deep this thing went. And so when we sat in the scan and the girl says, congratulations, you've got another girl, I didn't speak for three days. And I didn't know why. And I didn't know what. And I'm, I'm sitting there, what is wrong with you? You should be happy. It's another beautiful girl. you already got two beautiful girls. Here's another beautiful girl. What is... Then I, w I was actually going away on a ministry trip for a week and I had to get on the plane, still in this state of shock, and go and preach at churches and things like that. And anyway, while I was over there, I went into a shop, and there was a baby shop. And I saw this little baby-sized, you know, triple zero jumper suit or whatever they call it. And it said, best day of my life. 
And I saw that and God spoke to me and said, you can rewrite the history of the last week if you want. You've got the choice. You can either say, this was the worst day of my life, which is actually what I was feeling. Because what I didn't say at the start is my wife said, three is it, we are not having another child. If you want to have another child, you've got to find another wife. Basically, that's what she said to me. So, so that was it. That was, this was my last shot at having a boy. And so I decided, I bought that jumpsuit and I just said, all right, I'm rewriting the history and I'm going back and I'm saying, the day I found out that my third child was a girl, this is the best day of my life. I've chosen to, be, chosen to believe that, I've chosen to think that, I've chosen to say that, and God's done something incredible, you know, this, and she is unbelievable. She's two now, uh, Eva, and she is just the absolute joy of my life. She's incredible. But you've got to go back sometimes and just rewrite, rewrite the pain, rewrite and say, no, no, that's not that, it's this. It's up to you what you choose to believe. All right, so... The revelation of the house of God is actually what's going to get you through the tough times. Okay, my third point, and this is really what I wanted to lead to this morning, is so we can become doorkeepers for others. So we can become doorkeepers. Remember in the psalm he says, uh, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. So we can become doorkeepers for other people. A doorkeeper is someone who opens the doors of the house other people to come in it's a very simple job but you have to be outside to let other people in so this is what serving in God's house is all about and the day that we figure this out is a magical day is that it's not just about me getting to come in and get fed and get touched and get this it's actually about me holding the door open so somebody else can come in and encounter God because there's people all around us that do not know the presence of God. There's people all around us that have not experienced what we have experienced. There are people everywhere in this Sunshine Coast that, man, just picture, if they just had a moment in the presence of God, with the love of God washing over them, the mercy of God cleansing them, forgiving them, the grace of God bringing healing and strength and forming them into the person that God always intended them to be. We get the opportunity, because of what we've experienced, to actually hold the door open for somebody else to come through. I would rather be a doorkeeper. Now, a doorkeeper, and I love what Peter uh, said around the offering, I really feel like that, that's such a key part of this message as well. Because uh, the doorkeeper... Those rural fire brigade guys, that's what they're like. They're like, man, it's, it's not about what I get out of this. It's actually about helping somebody else. You see, a doorkeeper is, is more than a volunteer because often what a volunteer says is, okay, where do I have to be? What time? How long am I there for? Okay, you, turn, you sign up and then you turn up. But this is so much more. A doorkeeper is there to hold the door open so someone else can go inside and experience the glory of God. They've been on the inside themselves. They've experienced the power. They've felt the love. They know the community, the healing, the transformation that takes place. And now they're prepared to stand outside so someone else can go in. 
I assume you've got a kids team somewhere today. That's what they're doing. They're doorkeepers. They're, they're out, then they get the added bonus of not only are they on the outside so other people can come inside and bring their kids and just focus on, but they actually also get the opportunity to lead children into the presence and the glory of God. I think about our church in Darwin, I think of a guy called Emmanuel who his wife and children used to come to church quite a bit. He wasn't interested. He's a big um, Pacific Islander guy and very, very well respected in the community. He was like a chief of their village. And, and, but he wasn't interested in coming to church. It was the wife and the kids. That's what they did. But then after a while, the, the church pe- people would go over to their house and just do stuff at his house. And he got drawn into the community. And so it became logical then for him to come to a service because that's where all his friends were. So he started coming to church and then he had an encounter with God, completely changed his life. And all of a sudden, he just, it was one of the most dramatic transformations I've ever seen. And he's just like, we have, what can I do to help other people come in and experience this? And so then he decided to, that he was going to be the car park team. We didn't ever had a car park team, but he just wanted to be out there so that when anyone came past and they were looking for us, they just saw his big smiley face and just the welcome and the, the embrace of like, okay, come on, what, here's where you can park. We've got a spot saved just for you. Here's our VIP parking right here. And he headed up our, and had this army of like 20 young guys all out there with the high vis and the thing. This is in the Darwin heat, like just sweating buckets. And just, but just to make it easy for someone. Because there's always somebody who doesn't know where to go, doesn't know where to park, doesn't know what, how this whole thing works. He's like, we can change this and be a doorkeeper for other people. Now, I want to put a screen up for us if we can, if you've got that, that other screen. I'll, I'll, I've discovered that there's three basic levels of serving in church. I'm going to talk you through what I, what I reckon it is here. The first level is where you get good people. We've got any good people here today? Good people are awesome, okay. You've got a little bit of time. I've got half an hour a week, I can give it to the church, or I've got an hour a week, or I've got, to, or I've got a day a week, I can come and whatever, whatever it is. It's a good person that has some time. Is, hey, this is a good cause. We're doing a good thing in the community. This is a positive thing. I want to I contribute. I want to give some time to the church. The problem is that's only short term because when they don't have the time, when they get busy at work, when their schedule changes, all of a sudden, sorry, I'm not available anymore. So that's, that's a great start but it's only a short-term arrangement. The next level is inspired people. And you'll see this, where when the church has got a compelling vision, people are like, yeah, let's do it. Let's win this city for Jesus. Let's go for it. And it's like, because it's exciting. and let's, let's do it. Like, even like the rural fire service, I reckon it's a bit like, come on, let's defend the community against the fire. It's a great, co- there's a vision that everyone has signed up to. We're all in this together and let's do it. But it's medium term because once again, the fire, sorry, that's the wrong word, but the fire of passion can die down. What happens when the vision isn't as compelling anymore? What happens when I'm not as inspired as I used to be? Because you just can't stay fully pumped about something all the time, right? We're all human. You just got ups and downs. And so you, get, you can get a medium-term commitment from inspired people. That's why they have motivational seminars that you have to keep going back to, to, to stay inspired. Because one doesn't do it. But there's another level. 
And this is the level of Psalm 84. And this is the doorkeeper level, where it is a revelation from God that actually transforms your identity. It's who you see yourself. All of a sudden, you see yourself as a servant in the house of God. You see yourself as a doorkeeper. It's like, actually, I've, I got it now. I'm a, I, I just hold the door open so other people can go in and meet God. And this is how we reach the city. This is how we fulfill the vision. This is how all these other things happen. But there is a revelation from an encounter with God of identity. And you can only get it from an encounter with God. And this is not a short-term or a medium-term thing. It's who you are. Till the day I die, I will serve in the house of God. And there's people in our church in Darwin. Our church uh, has been around for 40 years. It wasn't always a C3 church. It was an independent church that came into C3 about 10 years ago. There's people in that church that have been in that church for 40 years. And they are doorkeepers. They just turn up and serve because that that's that's who they are that's what they do and i my conviction is that that and i know every church has got people like that but my conviction is that that shouldn't just be a small group of people my conviction is that as we get transformed more and more into the image of christ who knows that's god's plan for you to transform you to make you more and more like jesus this is discipleship that this is something that will happen to all of us at some point in that journey. And maybe for some of you here today, because I really feel like God has arranged it for for me to bring this message to you today. For maybe for some of you, this is the moment where you just take that next step to become a doorkeeper in the house of God, where that your whole identity when it comes to God's house and what He's doing in your life and through you gets transformed into being a doorkeeper. Here's how I know that, is because Jesus was a doorkeeper. The ultimate doorkeeping moment in history was the moment when Jesus went to the cross. Because the whole point was that no one could come to the Father except through Jesus. And it was through what Jesus did on the cross that opened the door for every single person who's ever lived on this planet. It's because of Jesus holding the door open by going to the cross that you and I are here today. Jesus actually said, I am the door. I am the door. That's where he says, on the way, the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And all his life, Jesus was continually, he was, the, he was the prince of heaven and he had, all his life he was just taking off robes and he came as a servant. In Philippians, Paul writes, he, he humbled himself and took on the form of a servant and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And in John chapter 13, Jesus takes off his robes and picks up a towel and he washes the feet of his disciples and at the end of it he says I want you to do what I've just done for you the servant serves servants and just for us it's so counter-cultural it's so counter-Australian society like to 
to actually be the one to pick up the towel and just and just serve but this is jesus this is jesus and this is this is who he's calling us to be and who he's transforming us to be and so finally at the end you see him taking off the robes and until finally all he's left is with a loincloth stripped naked on the cross fastened pouring out the last drops of his life to hold the door open for all of us I don't know about you but I want to be a doorkeeper I want to be a doorkeeper I want you to close your eyes we're going to come to a close right now the musicians are going to come and I'm going to pray a prayer and here this morning if you say you know what i I really want to get that revelation because I don't want this to be a short-term or a medium-term thing. I actually want this to be a lifetime thing. Could you just stand where you are right now? And say, I want to be available to God to serve Him and to serve in His house and to serve in His kingdom. I'm going to pray a prayer right now that, that God will truly come and, and meet you in that, in that attitude, in that desire, in that act of worship and that act of sacrifice. Just close your eyes. Maybe even just lift your hands to heaven right now as an act of surrender to Him. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every person in this place. God, I thank You, Jesus, that that encounter that I had all those years ago in Galway Island, that has changed my life. Father, I pray that every person here would have an encounter with You. God, I declare the revelation, the spirit of revelation to fall right now. In Jesus' name, I release the spirit of revelation. Father, the revelation, your voice from heaven calling out to us, calling us a son, a daughter, a child. Father, we thank you. This is a work of your spirit. So Holy Spirit, move upon every heart, every life. God, we're doorkeepers for life. And Father, I thank you for the lives that will be transformed because we hold the door open. Whether it's through serving in kids' church, whether it's through serving on the music team, whether it's just uh, serving in any possible area, the setup team, the pack-up team, we are doorkeepers, making it possible for others to encounter God. Father, I thank you right now, the Spirit of God. And just every eyes closed and just bow your heads for a moment. I want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus, the one who held the door open for you. Maybe you've never experienced the love of the Father. Maybe you've never received the gift of eternal life and forgiveness and the brand new start that Jesus offered through his death on the cross. If that's you here this morning, just every eyes closed, every head's bowed, we just reach your hand up nice and high so I can see it. I want to pray for you as well here this morning. Say, yeah, I want to receive Jesus. I want to commit my life to Him. I want to surrender to Him. I want to receive that gift that He's given. Father, I thank You for that gift of life, the gift of salvation.
Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.